Welcome to the Ion Ryan Show, a satellite orbiting the worlds of tech, toys, pro wrestling, and pop culture. Here is your host, Ion Ryan. Hola amigos and welcome to another episode of the Ion Ryan Show. Uh, so last episode we ran out of time towards the end when I wanted to do a new segment called That's Life. Uh, so what we're going to do this week is something a little bit different. Uh, we are going to open the show with That's Life and then we're going to end on three count. And in three count we're going to talk a little bit about some of uh, my favorite maybe underrated movies of all time. We're going to talk a little bit about professional wrestling and uh, what happened with AEW, NXT, and a little bit about WWE. And we're also going to talk a little bit about what uh, Hasbro's been doing with their Star Wars toy line and how I find it rather interesting. Uh, so I want to start off here with basically this new segment called That's Life. Two or three episodes ago, I talked a lot about what was going on in my life. And uh, some of you seem to enjoy that. Some of you seem to enjoy my honesty and transparency, and if there's anything that I am in this world, it's, it's an open book. Um, so I, I don't even know where to start or where to go back to, or I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm rather transparent about my worldview and the things that I go through and the challenges that I uh, struggle with. So, I mean, basically, over the course of the past decade, I've taken my family's business and I've turned it into something totally new, right? At one point, we were this booking agency and believe it or not, we did magic <laughs> and we did balloon animals and we did face painting and we did stilt walking and that was my life for the longest time or at least a portion of my life. Uh, my family did that for quite some time and about Eight, nine years ago, I kind of took it over, and I had some good luck right out the gate. I doubled profits year after year after year, and uh, I transformed us really from a magic and face painting company to a marketing company of sorts. That's kind of been the way I always pitch things when I talk about these these photo activations that I do. I don't even call them photo booths anymore because uh, what we do really transcends that three-strip photo booth thing that you think of when you're... When you're at a wedding, right? So I've been doing that for a long time and uh, it's been interesting. It's been rewarding in the fact that I was able to purchase a house and, and buy a nice car and all that stuff. But uh, I guess the best illustration I can give you, and if you work for yourself and kind of by yourself, you may be able to identify with this, but working for yourself is a little bit like an hourglass, right? Think about an hourglass. You've got the large glass vessel at the top, the large glass vessel at the bottom, uh, and those two things are connected by a tiny little opening, okay? And uh, when you turn the whole hourglass upside down, the sand slowly runs through it. Um, and the sand in this case is really the stress, the responsibilities, the money. Okay. So for me, I always felt like the top was kind of the clients, the 20, 30, 40 clients that I'd have to keep happy all the time that I'd constantly have to negotiate with and, uh, try to give them a fair price for them and a fair price for me. Uh, you know, and then the bottom was the employees that you're, that you're constantly having to manage. Now I'm not trying to throw shade at either group of, you know, uh, I, my employees and my clients for the longest time, I needed them both, but there was always this intrinsic thing where you were kind of, 
serving others and the client or, you know, being served by your employees and you were kind of in the middle. That's where that hourglass comes in is that you were on this plane kind of all by yourself where you're constantly delivering sand from one side to the other. And like I said, whether whether sand is the delegation of the responsibilities that the client is asking you to uh, to take on, you delegate them to your staff or whether it's the finances that your uh, your 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 client is investing in you that you are then paying your staff, uh, but you know that little hole uh, where the sand goes through is kind of small and it doesn't all go through at once and you know that's that's the concept of an hourglass and I always kind of view the independent business owner as that little hole in the center where they need to take a whole bunch and very slowly deal with it all and distribute it to the bottom. Um, Right. I mean, if you had just a cup that had sand at the bottom and you put your hand over the top and you turned it over, the sand would be at the bottom in in a second. Right. But that's the concept of the hourglass is that the sand slowly goes through the thin center. And uh, again, that's what I feel like a business owner is. They take a lot of responsibilities. They put it all on their shoulders. They process it. They delegate it. Then, you know, it kind of goes to the bottom portion of the the hourglass. And um, that's what I dealt with for the longest time. And in a lot of ways, it was it was kind of not disappointing, but it, it was challenging. You constantly felt like that you um, you you constantly felt like you were delivering one thing to the next place. And you kind of felt like you were kind of doing it alone, which was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, so 18 months ago, when I got the opportunity to become a long-term substitute at the local high school that I went to, uh, that we've talked to about multiple times on this podcast, I said, you know what, I, I would like to be there, right? I would like to, I would like to be a part of that community. And, and again, I think I've talked about this before, but it was always just really nice to all of a sudden have coworkers and peers, people on the same level. Uh, because as I said, in, in the business, it's constantly, satisfying clients and managing employees. Obviously, both are crucial. I appreciate both. I love both. But it's just so nice to kind of have a peer, someone that is doing the same exact thing that you are doing for roughly the same amount of money. um, And they're doing it as consistently as you're doing it. And you can learn from other people. Uh, So that's really where my heart started to go. Um, But in the midst of all of this, I, I... decided that that and this is this is going to get like not heavy necessarily. I think it's a little bit liberating and hopefully for some of you it's it's you can identify with it. But 18 months ago as I started to get more involved in school and I no longer had that that catalyst of saying, "Okay, I'm a business owner. This is what I rely on for all my money. This is how I spend all my time and that's why I'm so stressed or that's why I'm so miserable." Or that's why I'm so depressed, really, being the operative term. Um, I was going to school, and I should have been happy, and everything should have been great, and yet I was still struggling. So it was at that time that I was like, I have to really make a plan for the next couple of years. And like, I guess being totally transparent, um, and not to be an opportunist, but I guess I'll share a link to this. But I had seen an ad online for for an app called BetterHelp, where you get to talk to an online counselor. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. So I signed up for it. I talked to an online counselor and we started to sift through a lot of the things that I had been feeling, not just for a couple of weeks or months or even years, but but a decade, right? As I, as I became an adult, 
there was all sorts of weird little inconsistencies in my personality or my work ethic or my routines that, um, you know, they, he, he helped me kind of start to work through and kind of said, well, you know, man, something's got to give you, you can't live like this forever. And, uh, you know, that that's hard to hear this business that you poured your heart into, you, you find out that it doesn't necessarily the way you're running. It doesn't make you happy. Uh, uh, and maybe it does, but you can't you can't be in the middle of that hourglass forever when you have kind of the personality that I have. I, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so I started to attach myself more to the school because what was great about school is it gives you a routine. You have to be in there every single day at seven o'clock, uh, which means even if you want to stay up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning recording your podcasts or watching your favorite movies or just watching some random random TV show on Netflix, you, you, you have to be consistent. You have to get a routine. You got to wake up. You got to get out of the house. You have to be there for the kids. You have to be there uh, to do what the administration needs you to do. Uh, you have deadlines that, that coworkers are relying on. Uh, if, if you fall short of those, everything comes to a grinding halt, right? The kids don't have anything to do in school and and, and the more and more time that I spent there, despite the fact that I built this new iteration of the family business for myself, and it's something that I should have and do, it's, it, I do love it and I am proud of it, uh, but it just, it just wasn't, quite, it wasn't quite enough. And so a part of my plan was to find a way to get more involved at the local high school. Um, and I'm happy to tell you and this probably explains a lot as to why I barely promoted my last podcast and why I'm also recording this one super late at night. You're welcome, Greg. Love you. Um, is I actually found a role for myself over at the school, a full-time role, something I can truly pour myself into, a place where my passion for design and editing and 3D printing and virtual reality and trying to make the world a better place. Those are all things that I'm deeply passionate about and have been for a long time. Uh, I, I can do all of those things over at the school now. Uh, so, uh, in mid, mid to late September, they gave me a position and they said, run with it. You know, really, this is your thing. You get to define what this is. Uh, so we said, let's do like 20 to 30 hours a week and see how it goes, right? And this is exactly what I needed, exactly what I wanted. A place of consistency and happiness, uh, a place that wasn't so stressful or so challenging or so, again, kind of honestly, like lonely. Uh, I got to become a part of a community. I had peers. I was able to do, I was able to contribute positively. You know, it's really nice to work for yourself and make a bunch of money. I'm not bragging and saying I'm rich. I'm not. But it was really cool to be like, yeah, cool, man. You know, I worked hard today and I, you know, I made a thousand dollars on today's event. Okay. That only gets you so far. Uh, when you're able to actually truly give back and invest yourself in something meaningful, like the lives of young people, or really the institution that is the local high school, which has stood for over 50 years, uh, it's it's special. It is absolutely special. So I've poured my heart and soul into that job. Uh, the 20 to 30 hours a week that we agreed upon has quickly become 40, 50, even 60 hours a week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and this is this is a really cool story, and it just goes to show you that 
when you make a plan and you execute it and you're truly happy, as some of you guys may have seen on one of my recent Instagram posts, um, it's it just kind of mind blowing. So I, uh, we had a pep rally coming up and like everything I do, I kind of waited to the last minute to record it. But thankfully that was kind of fortuitous because it started to pour rain and I got to film with the football team in the pouring rain. And that was kind of cool. Uh, and then I came up with this idea that one of our, one of our slogans is we are AR. It's kind of like we are Penn state. Um, and that's the one thing I'm like, Oh man, we are AR. I just, uh, I want to incorporate that in the video, but I don't want people just saying we are AR over and over and over again. So I decided I was going to make a video that was basically we are, and then I would show you what we are, right? That it, that what comes next doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's AR necessarily. Uh, we are our kids. We are our community. We are our sports and our athletics and whatnot. So um, uh, I meant to say academics there, not athletics, but but you know what I mean. So this was a pep rally for uh, one of our sports teams, really for all of our for sports teams, for our fall sports. So I made this kind of cool video, I think, where the kids would just say, we are, and I would show them playing sports. Um, and I'm going to do this again for, for academics and whatnot, for, for faith. We are a religious institution. Um, but this was the sports version. And I edited the whole thing together. It took me... I started filming around noon and I was done editing around 1 a.m. I don't know. That's just the way that I roll. So it came out pretty good. And I, I sent it to my to my peers, right? I have peers now. I have coworkers now. Uh, I have people that are doing the same job I'm doing. And they're not expecting too much or too little from me, right? We're just we're on the same page. We're working side by side. Uh, again, in a way that that doesn't always happen when, you're, when you are either the... Uh, the person that's offering a product to a client for money, or you are the boss that's trying to manage your employees. Um, so I edit this video and I show it to my coworkers and some of them are kind of like, Oh yeah. Hey, you know, it's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's just, it's just pretty cool. Like, like I thought this was going to be awesome. And then <laughs> one of my, uh, one of my buddies basically said, well, you know, I really, I don't think that the music is is working for me. And at first I was kind of like, you jerk. Like, how dare you? But then I watched it and I listened to it and I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I could have done so much better with the music. So right before the pep rally, this pep rally we're having with our entire school, which is, you know, about a thousand people. I said, you know, I'm going to go home and re-edit this entire darn thing. And that's what I did. Went home and re-edited the entire thing. And I decided to use the music of WWE superstar Finn Balor, which is like totally epic. And it changed the whole vibe of the video. And I was so proud of it. And I uh, was able to show it off to the entire school and post it up online. And it basically got more views online than anything that the school had ever posted before. And I thought that was... That was pretty cool. It made me feel like I was doing my job really well. Uh, so then uh, later later that uh, that week was back to school night. I had a chance to meet all my, all my students' parents. And again, that was really cool. I think they finally got to see who this crazy teacher was that's teaching their kids about film and whatnot. And uh, 
I come home and I get a text message and I wonder if this guy's listening right now uh, and he'll get to hear how much this meant to me. Um, and it's like, Hey man, I watched your hype video. It was pretty solid. And it's funny cause I didn't have this guy's number saved. So I had to scroll up and look and I saw we had talked last summer, two summers ago and it dawned on me who it was. Uh, it was one of my friends who was getting a, a, a new job and he wanted to pick my brain about it. So I wrote back to him and it said, Hey, thanks. That, that means a lot. How's everything going for you? And he says, well, I really hope that, uh, that, uh, you know, you like, I'm paraphrasing now cause it was a private conversation, but he basically says, I hope you like my new work. You'll see it Wednesday night. Um, and I, all of a sudden I knew he was talking about WWE NXT and I was like, yeah, man, I was like, can't wait to see it. I'll definitely be watching. Uh, and then he proceeded to send me a text message that just made me so darn happy. He basically just said, listen, your stuff is pretty solid. And I just want you to know that there are some openings here at WWE. And if you want to work here, I can get you an interview. And that was like the most flattering thing in the entire world. Uh, now, what's really interesting about this is I actually had a private conversation with someone this summer about going to work for AEW. And I said, yeah, that's my dream job is to work in wrestling. Uh, but this was before the school brought me on full time. And uh, this guy offered to get me an interview with a company in an industry that I thought was like, this is my dream job. And I immediately said, no, thanks. I said, I am so happy with where I'm at. And for the first time in a long time, uh, I, I could say that honestly, wholeheartedly that I truly love where I'm at right now. And again, all of that stemmed from two years ago, recognizing that I really had to take stock on where I was in my career, my, you know, my professional life and my personal life and, and having the, I'm not going to say courage that overstates it. Uh, but almost like the humility to say, you know what, let me go talk to a licensed professional to see just how crazy I am and what steps I can take to improve my life. So like I said, I, I joined BetterHelp. It's an app you can download on your phone. Uh, I'll try to post a link somewhere. I think you get a few dollars off and I get a few dollars off if you sign up. Uh, but you're talking to a licensed, certified counselor, a therapist, if you will. Now, there are limitations on things they can do and they can refer you to a real life doctor. But um, me and this guy just email tech it's like text messaging we go back and forth like once a day uh well, every other day sometimes just once a week and i just take stock and it's so refreshing to talk to someone kind of without an agenda and again i feel like i may have talked about this before on this podcast but when you talk to people that love you like in your family a lot of times they just want you to feel better right away as quickly as possible uh, if you have, if you have the type of friend that is willing to uh, say, "Oh, here's a good plan that you can execute over the next two years," um, that that's that's a good friend. Um, uh, not to say that people that want you to be better in that moment aren't great people; they are. Uh, but to talk to somebody else outside of your circle, someone who is able to assess situations without bias, who is able to be there getting your back without criticism, without 
you know, resentment without just without love. I know that sounds goofy. Obviously, this person cares for you. But again, if you talk to your mom like, mom, I'm, I'm so I'm so depressed. Mom just wants you to feel better right away. Uh, and again, th- there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just mom might not recognize that the journey you need to take is a six month, one year, two year journey. Right. And, and sometimes when you confide in people close to you, if, if you don't say it properly, they worry about you a disproportionate amount. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just, I'm just saying I'm not thrilled in my career or my personal life. Um, so sometimes it's really nice to talk to, to an outside person. And uh, yeah, here I am, guys. Uh, almost two years later, after talking, after starting to talk to this therapist dude, his name is Joe. He's a counselor, whatever you want to call it, whatever makes yourself, whatever makes you feel better. Um, we came up with a plan and we said, this is what I want to do. These are the things that have been lingering for a long time that I want to fix. Uh, and here's some of the things that I consistently do to my person that I do in my personal and professional life that make me miserable. And here's my path to changing those things. Uh, so again, this is my new little segment. It's starting off the show. Maybe it's a little bit heavy. Maybe it's a little boring. Maybe it's a little bit uninteresting to you. Uh, please let me know if you don't want to hear about stuff like this. But as I said, the people, the people that gave me feedback on this, it was all positive. Everyone has their own insecurities and everyone has uh, their own doubts. And I think a lot of times you guys are listening to this stuff when you're commuting to work. And I think a lot of times when we're commuting to work, that's when we're by ourselves, right? We're not with our with our spouse or our kids or our parents or our roommate or whoever we live with. Uh, and, and we think about these things. And sometimes in those moments, it's when we get most frustrated with ourselves, um, so, so right now, if, if me, your buddy, Ion Ryan is in, uh, is on your commute with you and you're sitting there thinking like, oh my goodness gracious, I cannot stand this commute. I cannot stand this job or there's something in my life that's really bugging me. Uh, I'm here to tell you that there is a path to changing it and no, it's not a quick path. It's not, oh, you know, you see those ads pop up online, get rid of stubborn belly fat in five days or less. Uh, no. No, sometimes the path to pure joy professionally and personally can take months or even years. Uh, but I'm, I'm, in a lot of ways, I'm on the other side of it. And I'm here to tell you that it is so worth it to know yourself, to learn yourself, to understand your shortcomings and to position yourself in a way that highlights all of your strengths. Uh, it's the best feeling in the world. So, uh, yeah, if you are... If, if you are like me, like how I was feeling a couple couple months ago, a couple years ago, uh, I'm here to tell you that, that you are more than capable of achieving anything you want. And you could do it on your own. You can do it in conjunction with a friend or family member. Or as I said, zero shame in the world uh, going to talk to a professional person, a counselor, a therapist, whatever it takes. Uh Whatever it takes to get you to your best life, life is just way too short to be doing something that you don't absolutely positively adore. I think I said to Greg, like, that's part of the reason why I do this podcast is it's 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 on one hand, it should be a deadline that stresses me out. But but I have I have Greg, I have Sam, I have Sean. They're my they're my brethren in this. We are the we pod squad. If I don't do this. I let them down. 
I let the wee pod squad down. I create a blank spot in our schedule and it weakens the whole thing. So to have that accountability and, and subsequently the appreciation, the way that we all get along so great, uh, it's just been awesome to add this to my schedule. And the fact that people actually listen to this, it means the world to me. Um, so I've said it before. If you ever need to chat, my uh, my DMs are open, okay? Um, that's my little, like, mental health advocate, mental health story. Uh, but, yeah, it took me a couple of years to get to where I wanted to go. And, and it was remarkable that the opportunity was even there for me. You know, what if... What if it wasn't, but, but it was, and I don't know if it's a combination of luck or hard work or patience, but, um, it's there for you guys too. So, uh, in a good way today, that's life. Let's go ahead and get into three count. It is now time for Iron Ryan's weekly three count. So the first thing I want to talk about on three count here is AEW versus NXT. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, I just want to address like the elephant in the room when it comes to professional wrestling, and that was the abysmal ending to the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I skipped watching Hell in a Cell. I just had better things to do. I was super tired after work on Sunday, uh, and I just said, you know what? I'm not watching Hell in a Cell. But my phone starts blowing up during the main event, and I'm wondering what is going on. And it's a series of, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? Oh my goodness, can you believe this? And basically what happened at the end of the show was Seth Rollins, who really should be the white meat babyface in all of WWE, who they've botched his rise to the championship uh, following his injury several years ago. They've now botched it three or four times. They just can't seem to get Seth Rollins right, which is a shame because uh, he's one of the best in the world. And they had him booked against Bray Wyatt's new character, The Fiend. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, just Google Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. It's, it's a really sinister look. It's awesome. It really is. And the way that Bray played it was he played this Mr. Rogers-type character but we all knew based on his past as kind of the pseudo cult leader that uh, there was something more sinister going on underneath. And sure enough, the Mr. Rogers Firefly Funhouse eventually started to get real dark. And that's when he revealed the character of the Fiend, which is kind of a mashup of the new 52 Joker, if you know what I mean. Uh, and Bray... People liked it. He was over. It worked. I mean, for me, it was a little bit too supernatural. I'm not usually a fan of that kind of stuff, but uh, I won't deny the fact that people were into it, and that's awesome. So WWE decided to give him a shot at the, what would it be, Universal Championship belt, which Bray Wyatt held. Uh, excuse me, Seth Rollins held, um, and they were going to do it in Hell in a Cell. So Sunday comes and it's time for that match. And a lot of people are a little bit conflicted because they like Seth Rollins, but they really like Bray Wyatt's new character, The Fiend. And they don't know exactly what they're going to do. But right out of the gate, WWE, Vince McMahon's brainchild, just kind of botches the whole thing. They do the hell in a cell and they turn out the lights and just leave these red lights on. Uh, it, it looked like a scene out of 
the back of Spencer's in the 90s when they had like black lights, but instead of that purple glow was all red. So Seth and Bray have this match and there's a moment that's almost awesome where Bray Wyatt is kicking out of Seth Rollins's finisher uh, a couple different times. But then the problem is they did it a few too many times and the crowd kind of started to revolt in the fact that they 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 were a little bit booing because they didn't know like is this how Seth Rollins is going to win but they were also kind of booing because it's like wow you're really really burying Seth Rollins's finishing maneuver here um which yeah they they really did and uh long story short the hell in a cell which you know everything has happened in hell in a cell Mick Foley was thrown off the top of the cell through a table uh uh, he was thrown through the cell, and the match never stopped. But WWE, in their infinite wisdom, not really knowing how to book Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt and who to have win and who to have lose, they called a DQ, a disqualification. Now, this comes 48 hours after uh, Brock Lesnar, the guy that shows up to Raw less than 10 times a year, or SmackDown, you know, for the first time in several years, he showed up on SmackDown, main event of the first WWE on Fox SmackDown, and he beats Kofi Kingston, the guy who had maybe one of the best title wins in WrestleMania history. He beats him in less than 10 seconds, uh, probably because Fox as a television network wanted the, re- you know, they wanted the familiarity uh, and the name recognition of Brock Lesnar being the champion. So they take the belt off of poor Kofi Kingston in uh, in less than 10 seconds. And Brock Lesnar wins. And then after Brock Lesnar wins, Rey Mysterio's music hits. Now, Brock had previously assaulted Rey and his son on episodes of Raw. Uh, and Rey Mysterio comes out and he has this gigantic man next to him. And apparently this guy is a UFC fighter named Kane Velasquez. No, that can't be right. Doesn't really matter. I hate to say it. He's a he's an MMA guy. He's an MMA guy who beat Brock Lesnar a decade ago. And they brought him in like it's some sort of hot story. Uh, and they're like, Brock's afraid of him. Brock's afraid of him. And he beats up Brock a little bit. And I guess those two guys are going to fight at the Saudi Arabia show on Halloween. Is that what I heard? Uh, But whatever the case is, WWE, as their main brand, SmackDown and Raw, has cannibalized their young stars once again. Which brings us to the epic night that was last Wednesday night, which was AEW and NXT. Now, I'm not even going to declare a winner here. It was NXT. Um, But I will just say it was a wonderful night for adult professional wrestling fans, right? People that don't want to see monsters fighting in red lights. And for people that are able to recognize a little bit more nuance than, oh my gosh, it's two big guys fighting who used to fight in the UFC. Um, it was a it was a banner night for professional wrestling. AEW kicked off their show with um, Cody Rhodes fighting Sammy Guevara. Uh, And they had a great match. Just the entrance alone of Cody and Brandy coming out with that music. Wrestling has more than one royal family. It all just felt so apropos. 
The opening titles of AEW were absolutely fantastic. Their per, their production values are off the chart. Uh, almost a little too good. I think I've said that before, that they really come off more as a WWE bootleg than their own thing, but they'll find their own identity in time. Um, and, and AEW ended, spoiler alert, uh, with the forming of basically a new faction, it seems like. Um, it seems like it's going to be Jericho and LAX and Sammy Guevara and the returning Jack Swagger. All right. Uh, I guess his name is Jake Hager. I guess that's his real name. But he's a monster of a man. He made his AEW debut. And uh, yeah, guys, we got ourselves our first new faction in AEW. I can't wait to find out what their name is going to be. Uh, speaking of factions, over on NXT, Adam Cole retained his title. Uh, Roddy Strong is still the North American champion. And um, uh, Red Dragon, uh, the other two members of the Undisputed Era, which is Bobby Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, they're still tag team champions. And so NXT basically ends with Undisputed Era, their featured faction, uh, kind of holding up all the gold. And don't you know, uh, for the second time in one night, Adam Cole sees a returning superstar, and that is Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Ciampa, when he left, when he left NXT, was the top heel in the company. He was the NXT champion. Uh, he unfortunately got injured, and now he's back. He's going to want his belt back. And uh, Ciampa's great because he can work as an anti-hero face, or he can just work as a straight-up heel. Uh, but earlier in the show, and maybe I buried the lead here on NXT, but uh, Adam Cole was confronted by none other than uh, the guy whose music I infringed on uh, in a copyrighted fashion with my hype video. Finn Balor is NXT. He's back in NXT. If you remember, Finn Balor shortly after SummerSlam took a sabbatical from WWE. And most people thought it was to get married and to heal up or you know, to wait out his contracts, you can go to AEW, but it turns out that he wants to go back to NXT, that he is back in NXT. So Adam Cole doesn't have one challenger. He's got two. He's got the returning Tommaso Ciampa, and he's got the former NXT champion, Finn Balor, both breathing down his neck. And again, uh, it doesn't have so much to do with age as it does freshness, if you will, uh, and seriousness. Because Finn Balor's like 37 years old. You know, he's not a spring chicken. But this is a fresh storyline. And Finn Balor has always been written with respect in NXT. He's always been a great character in NXT. Same thing with Tommaso Ciampa. Same thing with Adam Cole. Same thing with Matt Riddle. NXT has botched very few guys. Uh, so I, I believe that the actual numbers, when you combined the first run and the second run of AEW into one was over 1.5 million viewers. AEW won the night. They did beat NXT. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that NXT, for as new as it is on USA Network, and the fact that they pulled out all the stops, they did kind of have the two weeks before that. They had the little one-hour lead-in kind of taste test that led into Suits. And obviously, NXT's been running for years on the WWE Network. And most people know they can catch up on it as long as they catch up before the next takeover. Uh, but you're talking an estimated 
2.5 million people were watching professional wrestling on these two cable networks on Wednesday nights. Uh, those are great numbers. And if they can continue to build momentum, Wednesday night is going to be it's going to be the thing that we talk about in 20 years about what redefined the pro wrestling industry forever. And uh, I'm just really happy and really proud of all of those guys. And I love, and this shows you that they're not really at war. Uh, Matt or Nick Jackson, I forget which one it was because I love them both so much. But the Young Bucks, one of the brothers, actually reached out to Mauro Ronaldo, the uh, lead broadcaster on NXT, and said, Hey, dude, good job uh, or good luck. And he wrote back, you you know, you know it, brother, love you, or, or whatever. It was a great little interaction. And believe it or not, WWE, I believe, released uh, a press release kind of congratulating AEW on winning the night. So this is big, guys. Wednesday night in professional wrestling, man, this is, this is going to rock. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Wednesday night's show. And uh, guess what? Actually, a week from... A week from Wednesday, I'll be seeing AEW in Philadelphia. I really hope eventually NXT tours too, but uh, yeah, great job by those guys. So let's get into topic number two of three count. Here I want to talk a little bit, guys, about five movies. Uh, So, you know, I teach high school and sometimes I show them movies or, or clips and they're like, oh, I've never seen this. Oh, I've never heard of this. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I guess I just forget that why would they go back and watch a random movie from like 2006 or 2007 when they have so many choices in the modern era? So I just want to share with you guys five movies that I've seen in the past, I don't know, 10, 15, in one of their cases, like 20 years ago, but Movies that I still watch on a consistent basis. Five movies that I just think are truly fantastic that, uh, you know, they're not necessarily the Jurassic Parks and E.T.'s and Star Wars and Jaws and the things that are usually on the bet, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, the things that show up on like the best movies ever. Uh, these, these might not show up there. Okay. They might just be kind of, uh, under the radar for you. Uh, so the first one is actually a very modern film. I watched it kind of recently, and it was on Netflix. And it was called Behind the Curve, which is actually a flat earth truther film. Now, uh, I'm going to come clean here and tell you that I am not a flat earther. I am not. But watching this story was slightly comedic because uh, even in the face of you know, indisputable scientific proof. A lot of these guys and girls like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. The earth's definitely still flat. Uh, But by the same token, guys, there's just something so appealing and almost understandable and identifiable about these people that just want more out of life. I mean, I'm that way. I often say that about Harry Potter. I think one of the reasons I like Harry Potter so much is because I just like to believe that somewhere Somewhere in this globe, there's a Hogwarts that there's little wizards uh, uh, learning at that maybe I didn't get invited, and that's a bummer, but I I want there to be more in this world, right? There's so many times we get bogged down in our our bills and our lives, and as I talked about at the start of this podcast, just the way, you know, that I was stressed out with, with my job and whatnot, that 
the idea of there being more, even if it is a goofy conspiracy, um, I can see how that's appealing. And in a lot of ways, I would love if these people could prove that the earth was flat. Listen, my life is no different if the earth is, is round or flat, but I'd be like, whoa, that's amazing. We learned something new. Everything's different, you know? So uh, Behind the Curve, I believe it's still available on Netflix. It is a documentary, but um, I don't know. It's just kind of enjoyable. Uh, I don't think anybody in the movie is totally hateable. I think everybody is kind of, you can kind of identify with them, with their desire to seek a deeper meaning out of life. And they're going at it in a really weird way, but God bless them. Uh, next on my list is Children of Men. Uh, this is a movie that if I talked about the origin of Amigo's name on this podcast before, if you remember that, you know Children of Men. Uh, it is a movie starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, and uh, Michael Caine. And what the story is about is that man can no longer procreate. There will be no more children born, meaning that we are on a slow march towards extinction. And you see how that changes things. Uh, see, not to get super heavy again, but the world functions based on the social contract that we need to continuously prepare the planet and our economy and our democracy here in America for future generations that, you know, I'm 32 years old. The average lifespan is, let's say, 80, which means I have 50 years left on this planet. Uh, if I just had to base my decisions on, okay, well, you know, I'm quote unquote middle aged, which means, yeah, there's probably what there's 7 billion people on the planet, 2 billion of them or so are younger than me. 4 billion of them are older than me and about a billion of them are in my same age range. Imagine if I had to make my decisions in life based on the fact that by the time I was 40 or 60 or 80, the world's population could be depleted anywhere from half to 75%. And shortly after I leave this planet, everyone else is going to leave this planet. Uh, now, Children Men doesn't totally dive into that question specifically. You just see how the world kind of starts to fall apart when there's no hope for tomorrow. Uh, and of course, it wouldn't be a movie unless maybe there was hope for tomorrow. Uh, the best part of Children of Men is they do several long tracking shots where it appears as though the camera does not cut or maybe the camera does not cut. I don't know for certain what's the truth, but I wanted to put the movie Children of Men on your radar. Uh, P.S. If you're in a good mood, don't watch this movie. It's <laughs> it's a relatively depressing film. Um but but again, that, that doesn't preclude it from, from you enjoying it. Uh, the next movie on my list, I, 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 have, I have such a blind spot for these kinds of things. I'm going to say this movie, and there's a chance that you're going to be like, Rye, everyone has seen that movie. Um, or, it's, or it's the other way around. A lot of times I assume people have seen this movie and they haven't. Uh, but if you've never seen the movie Moneyball, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's Brad Pitt in a serious role playing the character of Billy Bean, uh, who happens to be a real-life person. He is the general manager for the Oakland A's. Uh, and about a decade or more ago or so, uh, he realized that he had finite resources to build his baseball team. Whereas the Yankees are able to spend $214 million to field the ultimate team of players. 
Uh, this guy had about 30 or $40 million. So he decided that there was an approach, which uh, is a hot topic here in Philadelphia, maybe all over the sports world now, of sabermetrics. How do you build a team? How do you not buy players, but buy runs? And by buying runs, you buy wins. Uh, but it's just extraordinarily well acted. It's really Jonah Hill's first turn to dramatic films. I believe the whole thing might be written by Aaron Sorkin, which if I'm able to confirm, yeah, I'm trying to look here. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the movie Moneyball. And uh, as I said, Brad Pitt is one of my favorite actors and he is really fantastic in it. So if for some reason Moneyball has passed you by, I recommend it. It, it. It's it's kind of a happy movie, I feel. Um, I don't know. Is, is happy too strong of a word? Uh, sorry, I'm looking. I'm trying to look up the Wikipedia for it. Uh, it was directed by Bennett Miller. Um, and it was written by... Was it written by my dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screenplay by Aaron Sorkin. You know, Aaron Sorkin's my guy. Love the West Wing. So, uh, if for some reason you've never seen Moneyball, I highly, highly, highly recommend it, especially if you love baseball. Um, it's kind of a quiet movie. It's kind of self-contained. It's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's a quiet movie. It's not Space Jam, you know? It's just about baseball players, and and some of them are making comebacks, and you, you, you can feel for them. But, but really, the tour de force in the film is is Brad Pitt's character of Billy Bean and the way that he's supported by Jonah Hill's character. So uh, that's the third movie on my, hey, have you seen this movie list? Uh, the next movie on my list is a little bit of an oldie, and it's in a genre that is pretty much all but extinct. Uh, they recently released Funko Pops for this movie. And uh, again, maybe a lot of you have been like, right, everyone has seen that movie, but maybe some of you haven't. Uh, and that movie is Tombstone. Uh, Tombstone is one of my favorite films. It stars Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday, uh, Sam Elliott, and which one is it? Bill Paxton are Wyatt Earp's brothers. It's about their arrival in the town of Tombstone and how they're trying to bring some uh, laws to the land of the lawless as the evil cowboys are running amok. Uh, this is, again, a tour de force performance by Val Kilmer. Uh, he is a supporting character. I mean, Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp, he kills it. It's fantastic. But uh, the highlight of the film, if you watch it, you'll know, is uh, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Uh, you're really going to enjoy this one if you've never seen it. And if you have seen it, go ahead and rewatch it again because, man, it holds up. It's a good old-fashioned Western. It's a dramatic film. It is brilliant. It is beautiful. Uh, and it tells an incredible, incredible story about a good guy versus a bad guy. And you can't beat that. Uh, then the final film on my list, as goofy as this is, um, everyone has seen Shaun of the Dead. Everyone loves Shaun of the Dead, right? You got a bit of red on you. Uh, but the follow-up to that is not nearly as well-known, I've come to learn. Uh, I mean, people have heard of it, but they, it doesn't have the cult following that Shaun of the Dead has. And in my opinion, it's not just one of the best, uh, it's not just 
Edgar Wright's best movie. It's, it's in my opinion, one of the best comedies and satires ever made. And that is Hot Fuzz. Uh, it stars, no surprise, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg as two small-town police officers uh, who are investigating a series of accidents. Uh, there's obviously more to the plot, but it's a beautiful satire on action. It's a beautiful reimagining of the buddy cop uh, comedy. Um, and it is, in my opinion, one of the most masterfully written screenplays of the 21st century, which sounds crazy for a buddy cop reimagining action movie satire. Uh, but if each time you watch it, you're going to recognize and appreciate new elements. So, um, yeah, I can't recommend Hot Fuzz enough. Uh, I, I actually teach a lot of Hot Fuzz in my class because it is a masterpiece in terms of storytelling. They plant seeds uh, so early on for things that happen later, payoffs for comedic bits or dramatic turns. Uh, it's the kind of movie that really deserves multiple viewings. So, unfortunately, it just left Netflix but it is available on Stars if you've still got yourself a Comcast subscription. If not, you could always uh, sign up for for a little free trial with Stars. Just remember to cancel it because I wanted to watch Hot Fuzz and I forgot to cancel it. Um, so I just paid ten dollars to Stars for the online app, despite the fact that I do have it in my house. Uh, so final thing here on three count guys. And again, we're going to get out of here after that. Cause I started out with a very long, uh, that's life, but star Wars triple force Friday just happened last weekend. And let me tell you, uh, they actually did an okay job with it. I'm actually going to go ahead and pull up the triple force Friday checklist, uh, just for some context. Um, and I don't even know what I'm telling. What does this say here? Third time was the charm for Star Wars Triple Force Friday. This is an article. I want to kind of take a peek at this. Every few years, Star Wars has its own toy holiday. It's a day for fans to buy merchandise for a movie they haven't seen yet and a day collectors prepare for like it was a final exam. I'm talking, of course, about Force Friday. When Disney releases the first wave of merchandise for its next movie. This year is different, though. Not only is Rise of Skywalker opening in theaters, but The Mandalorian will arrive soon on Disney+. And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is coming soon to video game systems. The three new properties turned this year into Triple Force Friday, which is also fitting as it is the third Force Friday. See, uh, so I just read that article for from uh, what io9, which is now part of Gizmodo. Um... But, uh, yeah, guys, this is Triple Force Friday has Force Friday in general has a huge place in my heart because it's where I met my friends, Sean and Scott and Tony. Uh, years ago, I had just moved into my house. I guess we're going back four and a half years ago now. Well, four years ago now, uh, I just moved into my house and they were doing this crazy thing called Force Friday. And I was like, I'll go to that. Uh, so I went to my Toys R Us about nine o'clock cause they were going to open at midnight and I figured who is crazier than me? Uh, and I get there and there turns out that there's three guys that are crazier than me. There's three guys in the front of the line and their names are Sean, Scott, and Tony. So over the course of three hours, I become friends with them and 
as dozens of people line up behind us for the midnight opening of Toys R Us, we settle on a plan. We're going to go in there. We're going to go in there together and uh, we're going to get all the figures. And sure enough, we went in, we all got what we wanted. We ran over to Walmart because Walmart used to be 24 hours. Uh, The next day, we all went to different targets. We kind of stayed in touch via text message. Uh, Then, you know, when the movie actually came out, when The Force Awakens actually came out, uh, we decided that we would, uh, excuse me, we decided we wouldn't see the movie together because I wanted to see it with my friends. But afterwards, when we all went out to dinner, uh, really breakfast, because it was after the midnight showing, I ran into those guys, and that was the origins of my Star Wars toy club here in Philadelphia. Uh, So we all got together for Triple Force Friday several years later, the third Force Friday, uh, second Force Friday, excuse me. Um, And, you know, we went and we bought all the toys like nerds. But unfortunately now there's no Toys R Us left. So Triple Force Friday kind of came and went, and I didn't really get to participate in any semblance of a midnight release. I did go to target when they opened on Friday. Um, and I was able to get myself what's called a carbonized Mandalorian. Uh, so it was cool. It was like an exclusive that came in a really neat box. And I think that the, that the finish on the figure is, is kind of different, which is, which is neat. Um, but basically guys, I really think Hasbro kind of knocked it out of the park this time around as that article alluded to, So, like, for example, the Mandalorian, he came in three different boxes. There was the carbonized graphite version. Uh, There was the regular black box or red red box version. Uh, And then in an effort to sell things out a little bit quicker and create a new uh, exclusive, a new collector's item for collectors, uh, they actually did these white boxes, which were called first editions. So there was three different versions of four of the characters. Um, and then all the other characters that came out on Force Friday had two different versions, the regular version and the first edition. But this was brilliant. This was a way to get them to move product very quickly. Everyone wanted to get to the store and get the first edition. Because right now, what's happening with Hasbro, and I'm guilty of perpetuating this, is I know that these figures are going to go on clearance for 15 or $10. So I don't buy them for $20 anymore. I mean, heck, GameStop just moved the prices of these figures up to $26.99. And why am I going to do that when I'm going to be able to get them on Amazon later for $12? It's like paying twice as much for a figure. Uh, So doing these different chase figures, I know I ran out and I got the, the carbonized graphite version of the Mandalorian from Target and I ordered the other two versions of the Mandalorian online. Uh, Cool. They just made me buy three of the same figure. Uh, But so from the new movie uh, or from the new, the new, uh, the new properties, we saw the Mandalorian. We saw a new version of Ray. We also saw the newest Kylo Ren. Um, We also got uh, one of the characters from, let me pull up the checklist here. From the uh, the Jedi Fallen Order game. Here we go. We got a checklist here coming from courtesy of our friends at Entertainment Earth. Um, oh, goodness. That is rather incomplete. There's no Hasbro on there. Okay. Come on, guys. Get it together. 
the ultimate master list on comicbook.com. Let's see if they've got everything. Beeline, BioWorld, Funko, Hasbro. All right. Uh, so here's the complete list of releases from Hasbro on Triple Force Friday. They had the Black Series Carbonized Collection. Characters in this collection include the Mandalorian, exclusive to Target, the Second Sister Inquisitive, Inquisitor, exclusive to GameStop, the Sith Trooper, exclusive to Amazon, and the First Order Jet Trooper, exclusive to Walmart. Uh, they also had the Black Series Purge Stormtrooper, which was exclusive to GameStop. They had the First Order Elite Stormtrooper, exclusive to Target. Uh, they had these little gold two-packs, which were exclusive to Walmart. Um, I'm trying to get just to my main Black Series figures here. Um, so who is this new guy? Uh, Sean will yell at me. Cal... Castis. Um, that's, I guess, the guy from the new video game. Uh, but they also they released the Sith Trooper, which is the Red Stormtrooper, the Mandalorian, uh, the Second Sister Inquisitor, the First Order Stormtrooper, the Offworld Jawa, which is kind of like a uh, like a gray Jawa. And as I said, they had Kylo Ren and Rey. Uh, Rey had the new facial scan technology. Um, and she looks really cool if you can get a really good paint app of her. Uh, but yeah, I want to say Hasbro knocked it out of the park and they've, as of today, as of this week, they put a whole bunch of other figures up for pre-order on Amazon and GameStop and all the major toy, uh, you know, big bad toy store and Dorkside toys and all that. So if you're into star Wars, black series, uh, go check it out. Get your hands on them. But I just wanted to give my kudos to Hasbro on uh, on really doing a good job with this Force Friday, even though they didn't have a retail partner to open up at midnight to really celebrate this with. I hope they can fix that. I was about to say next year, but guess what? There is no next year. Oh, wow. That just hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, I truly love those moments of going to the toy store late at night or early in the morning to pick something up. I mean, I'll never forget 1999, which now that I think about it, I guess was my freshman year. But no, no, no. It was the end of my, it was the end of seventh grade for me. Uh, and it was 1999. Uh, my mom came home, uh, in the morning or woke me up in the morning. I don't even remember exactly how it went, but long story short, when I woke up from school, I had all of the episode one figures. My mom went out early in the morning or late at night to get them for me. And that's always stuck with me. And that's a tradition that I, I've liked. I've liked to keep for myself. So, um, yeah, yeah, that that's, that's, that's life. That's wrestling. That is movies. That is star Wars. Uh, life is good. Uh, the We Pod Squad is also fantastic. Don't forget, next week is Sean. This Friday is We Podcast and We Know Things with Greg and Sam. Um, I will be back in two weeks. I can't wait to tell you maybe a little bit more about my job if we're not bored with that yet. Tell you a little bit more about my life. Uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up, right? Because we're going to be within striking distance of Disney Plus at that time. And I'm sure we'll have some new 
news and whatnot. So looking forward to chatting about all of that in a couple of weeks. But for now, my friends, be great. Be grateful. Be grateful.